Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees, promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everybody, Chris here. Just to let you know, this episode was recorded before lockdown and also before the current global Black Lives Matter protests. This week's guest is the incredible playwright Jeremy O'Harris. A lot of what he talks about is very relevant to the Black Lives Matter movement, but also a lot of specifics in there about what Black Lives Matters means for the LGBTQ plus community. So next week on Homo Sapiens Extra, we will be discussing your thoughts and feedback. So please do have a listen. Please write to us with your thoughts. We really hope you enjoy the episode. This is season four of Homo Sapiens. I'm Alan Cumming. I'm Christopher Sweeney. And this is Lala. Just got off the bed. Lala. Uh, anyway, so yeah, to, to the, the, this week we're very excited because we are talking to the American theatre sensation. The toast of Broadway. That's right. Uh, Jeremy O'Harris. True story. Now, Jeremy O'Harris, if you haven't heard of him, um, came to prominence probably mostly with a play called Daddy. Well, no, no. He pr- first came to prominence with um, with slave play. It was at oh. the th- it was at the theatre workshop in New York at the end of uh, 2018. I see. And uh, and then it's just been on Broadway as, uh, for a short time, uh, just closed on Broadway. Uh, but then, actually, his first play, which was done after slave play, it was called Daddy, which I was in mm-hmm. in New York uh, in early. 2019 and yeah so although I actually did his first play although it wasn't uh, the first one to be done see what I mean but it became slave play became a bit of a cultural phenomenon didn't it and like Mm. Rihanna went and then yeah yes I think probably Madonna went Madonna did Madonna go she did yes interesting about him is that he well there's many things but I think he's done this thing of swooping into American theatre and especially sort of the whiter end of American theatre and just really setting the cat among the pigeons in terms of issues of race and issues of queerness. And I find it, I find him, I find what he does in a sort of cultural sort of, to to keep the pigeon metaphor going on, Mm -hmm. like he's throwing seeds Mm-hmm. And all the pig- at, at all the pigeons in, in a cultural sort of zeitgeist where all the pigeons are going nuts and don't know what to yes. do. And, uh, and, seeds, and, and I find it fascinating. Uh, I find him fascinating. I find it fascinating. Uh, discuss, even just as a, not just as a person being in one of his plays, but as a human being, finding out about things that I don't really know much about and that are difficult to ask about. Things mm-hmm. to do with race, things to do with being black and gay. Uh, you know, I, I, it's, it was very interesting to, for me to have a forum to actually, for me to realise I don't know about a lot of these things and I think people should, we should be discussing them. So it was great. And mm. I think that's what's, he's like this kind of cultural loud hailer about a lot of mm. these issues. He said a wonderful thing in the interview, which is, um, it's quite full on, uh, 
what I'm about to say. Um, he said, "He said, if you're femme and black, you're the least desirable thing. People want to fuck a hot blonde football player who looks like he occasionally sucks dick." And <laughs> I was like, "Do you know what? That's pretty true." Okay, <clears throat> I, I mean, I don't want to fuck up. I don't. I, I, the, I the whole. The, I mean, we talk mm. about this in the thing. I think, but I think the whole queer man thing of wanting to fuck, uh, basically a, a a a sporty jock. Yeah, who's straight. Yeah, and is somehow doing you a favor. <laughs> I've never. That's never turned me on, and I find it really sort of self hating and kind of sad. Yeah, yeah. No, listen, I I do agree. But I do think you're the rarer end of the spectrum there. And what he's saying is that that's what you get fed a lot. Totally. And how can you feel attractive for just being yourself? And I think that's what it is. Uh, that's what I think is was brilliant. But, but I think that's, again, it just comes down to actually, ultimately, people find you attractive if you're your authentic self. 100%. No matter what that is. Yeah. And I think probably we think blonde football jocks are authentic because we're so used to them and we're so, and we know what they are mm -hmm. and, and it's kind of simple to be one of them yeah so it, it's a, it's a i think is being complicated and being authentic in your complication to me is the ultimate turn on just to have for a life as well as for you know yeah yeah in the underpants department so I'm, I'm excited to hear this again and um and lots of and he's such he was after after we interviewed he got changed into a little outfit to go to a some some a designer was giving him a, giving him a an outfit to go to a party do you know he what looked I, like bjorn borg i thought that little outfit. he did didn't he and i took some nice photos of him actually on my on we've my got roof them. that's going to be our little picture that goes with the episode but oh it is great with, was, um, also a lot about being penetrated i remember Yes. Who and said the butt is actually a self-cleaning oven? Jeremy did. <laughs> he said that in the interview. So we have some agony aunts. I think let's do some agony uncles. I've got loads. Dear listeners, can I just say thank you so much for writing in because um, oh. you have written so many wonderful little notes to us. Um, and please keep them coming. Hello at homosapienspodcast.com or via Alan's shop, alancoming.net <laughs> forward slash... Uh, AvailableClothing.com. Are we ready for for one? Please let's let's do one. This person, uh, it's a boy, and it begins with R. R says, "My sister is being lied to by her boyfriend about him still being married. How can I support her?" Well, say that again. My, my sister. sister, his sister is being lied to by her. her basically, her, her boyfriend's uh, her sister. Her, his this boy. Oh my god. <laughs> So this, clearing that up. This person who has written to us, R, his sister's boyfriend is married <gasps> and uh, and is and is, li is lying about mm -hmm. it. And he's saying, how can you support her? Fucking tell her. Support her? Yeah, there's no support here. Tell you, her. You've got to call her up. I mean... Well, no, he has to say to the boyfriend, you need to tell her because it's, you know... Uh, I, don't, I mean, I don't, well, I know, I guess it'd be a little Sophie's choice. I would just tell him, tell her. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I think that's awful. That's fucked up. So, my sister's being lied to by her boyfriend about him still being married. How can I support her? <sighs> Again, a Valium and a vodka soda, <laughs> I think, would be the best thing. <laughs> that's the, you know when we do our next line of T-shirts, that's going to be one of the T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Alan recommends. <laughs> Here's another one. From, okay. uh, from Kay. If you're in love with someone and for good reason they're not ready for you, should you wait? Ooh. Well, well, um, if you're not, 
And the good reason they're not ready for you, should you wait? I guess it depends how much... It's up to you. I don't think we can answer that question, Kay. I think you've got to decide for yourself. I mean, I know I wouldn't wouldn't wait. I wouldn't. I mean, you know, I mean... Because also the other thing is, what I think is interesting, but I've known in in my uh, life situations similar to this where someone, you know, is in love with this other person and they weren't ready to have a relationship. They weren't out, actually. Mm. They weren't out. And so this person I knew, this boy, was just you know held a candle for this thing, this person, and then um, and then and then kind of thought, you know what, I can't do, I can't do this, I can't wait all this time. Yeah. And then the other boy came out, sorted himself out, and came and said, okay, I'm ready. And the and the other guy was like, you know what, I've moved on. Yeah. So I also think it's all like this is. <clears throat> Why bit, are they not ready? Bit harsh. It's. I think it's always it says, about. It's always about something else. It says for good reason, but. I mean, yeah. Wait as long as it's. I. I'd, I'd, I would say wait and make sure your needs are being met whilst you're being whilst you're waiting. Yeah, because you don't want your life on pause. No. Like people. And if you you're, you're you look like a young lovely, woman with needs, Kay. Yeah. I hope you are a woman. It's a very tiny picture. <laughs> um, but well, I. You well, know, either I, way. This, Either way, this I, advice. Our advice is for anyone on the anywhere on the gender spectrum, isn't it, Alan? That's what's beautiful about homo Yes, we cater to all. Yeah, and I just think wait for people if you want to, but always realize that you run the risk of them not ever being ready or finding someone else in the meantime. They may be ready, and then they'll think, "Oh, no, don't fancy you." Also, I have to say, you can't. I mean, the thing is, you can't. That's the thing with life and love. You, it could go. In a second, you get run over by a bus, yeah. or you could fall in love with someone. I could walk out this door and fall in love with someone, and I say, "Oh, Grant, I'm going to get a divorce." I hope I don't do that. I hope he doesn't do that. But that's the risk we run. Yes, when you are present in life and vibrant. I also think uh, that I've never. I think when it's right, it's easy. One, mm-hmm. uh, and this is sounding complicated. And two, I think. Whenever anyone has got all a bit with me, like, you know, I sort of really want to, but I can't. I'm always just like, you're. I, they've been time wasters in my life. But yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, but I still call them all the time. does good reason, but anyway. Yeah. Um, shall we move on? Yeah, can I, uh, can I you give have you one? one. You, from, have one. Um, you do one. Uh, from, uh, I'm going to say D. By the way, when we're making up the letters, when they're not even the real ones. So I just want people to know because I don't want them to not write in because we're saying letters. Uh, so D says, I'm involved with a gay couple. D is a guy. Uh, I'm involved with a gay couple who are in an, a long-term relationship and I've fallen in love with one of them. Help. Oh. Oh. Yes, that's, I've, I've known that to happen as well. Really? With some, somebody I know that happened to, yeah. Awkward. Awkward. The problem is... <sighs> I mean, that that's again, it's just the, the chance you take when you, you know. It is. It's the chance you take. Look, these... These things are complex, and if you want to get involved in it, you need to be prepared for You're f- fiddling with feelings. You know, yeah. In some of the most intimate moments are sexual ones, especially with three people. That's a lot that's of a lot of moments. <laughs> I, a lot no, of I think actually in this situation, that again, you've got to be honest. Like it's it, it so so basically, yeah. he's being the plus one. He's having a threesome yeah. with a couple. Mm. happens it happens a lot in gay culture it's very mm. i think it's a very healthy thing i think it's you know mm. blah 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 but again you run risk so what i think he's got to do is to is to tell both of them yeah that this has happened and 
you know, he the the, the I presume the rules weren't that this uh, this him coming into it was going to be a, a love thing. Yeah, and he's not going to be a part of a thruple. It was mm-hmm. a just for a, a sex thing. So I think you've got to be honest and see what they say. Yes, but I I mean my my I mean I I think walk away. Yeah, back off unless. It's overwhelming, but but you know the thing is, even if it's overwhelming, you've got to let them know because I mean, what maybe this guy doesn't know yet. The playing field has changed, so you've got to bring everyone's attention. Exactly, it's like why Scotland should have a second referendum because the the playing because Brexit's happened because things are different. Yeah, exactly. so because you're you young young gentleman, the third one, you are Brexit, and you have happened. And now the other boys need to decide whether they want to live in... in um... And is it a hard Brexit or a soft Brexit? I hope it's a hard Brexit. Oh. There we are. That was Agony Uncle. bum bum Oh, that was beautiful. Um, I think it's time to hear about self-cleaning up ones, don't you? <laughs> and the lovely and talented Jeremy O'Harris. So one of the things I definitely don't... I, I'm not someone who ascribes to the idea that, like, white society is like less homophobic than black society. I'm just like, no, like, I mean, my family was for the most part, super accepting of me. You know what I mean? Like there was no, in in a way that like I have white friends who like had such more, like way more difficult times coming out than I did as a black working class like person. Like my mom literally was like, hey Jeremy, I think you have a secret that you're not telling me. And I was like, what, do you want to know that like, I sometimes sleep with men? And she was like, yes. Wow. <laughs> and she was like, thank you for telling me. And then it was like, great. And then my grandma was watching Ellen one day, like after I'd already come out to my mom. And she was like, you know, Ellen's gay and on TV. And I was like, yeah. She was like, and if you were gay and on TV, I'd be fine with it. And Aww. I was like, okay, great. And my papa, who's now not, no longer with us, my grandpa, um, he took me out fishing and he like mentioned that one of my uncles was funny. We all know it, but we don't care, you know? And so blah, blah, and so- But it, it's not that, is it? It's, it's about when you're, and this is what I really failed to actually fully understand and I wish I, that's yeah. my, that's my- But I feel, I feel- if it's when you're, once, once all that familial, which is what I think white people think of as the big challenge mm-hmm. in being gay, for you, it's it, the the challenge is the next bit. Yes, and I feel being like in the, your society and in your community. Yes, and I feel like being in the in the gay community. What's really difficult about being queer and black is that I feel as though my existence, even like I mean, I think that like so much because white supremacy is the like thing, and like white male supremacy is a major thing like if you look at the most like if you look at all the gay porn that like is like at the top of the like porn hub blah blah blah, it's all like muscle bound straight adjacent like gay gay sex right like so like if you are femme black and like femme and black you're the farthest away from that and, and like and that is the desire the most desirable thing so even if you're like a white femme queer person you're farther away from like the the apex of desirability in the gay community as possible so to add like blackness onto that is like to put yourself super far away and that means you're like less desirable to not just white men but to black men to brown men to all sorts of men sort of like conceptually 
you know, because like we're all being socialized to think that like the most desirable thing is like a football player who happens to suck dick, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone, like a white blonde, blue-eyed football player who sucks dick on occasion. Like, that's like, that's what I want to fuck. So, when you're a black... Which actually I find like, oh my God. (laughs) It's not, I mean, I totally understand, and I'm sure that is the case. It's not from, it's not my thing. Is it your thing? No, it's... Is it your thing? Mm, It hasn't, it has been. It's like, not I mean, I wouldn't kick it out of bed with biscuits, (laughs) but it's not my uh, ultimate fantasy. I think what I have learned growing up and through therapy is that like you can attach your fantasies to that stuff but and sort of understand that that's a very trad fantasy that is okay to have but at the same time like you can let go of that and other things are okay you know what I mean it's almost like it's a bit like you were saying about oh you know unless you top someone like it's you know it's less gay to be a bottom than it is to be a top and that yeah. stuff that is yeah that's what was interesting about the play and and especially that I liked he said you know in some way that you're queer and you're you know you're if you if you don't bottom mm. that you're not queer enough or something and there's something mm. about how people don't want to discuss and so basically because when what was and what was funny what was funny about that scene so basically we fuck in the pool and then, you know I come and it's like la and then I'm like, are you all right? And he keeps asking me if it's okay. And, and then eventually yeah. he says that he's never... Well, that's the first. Never. <laughs> Please. Not for you. And that, another time, uh, eventually he says that he's never done it before. Like, basically, I was taking his anal virginity. Oh. And so, and he's like, all oh, kind of like, because, you know, I just think it's sometimes, you know, and being kind of apologetic about that. Mm. And, and for my character, I'm like, oh, my God. You know, like I didn't realize I was doing that. I didn't. I, mean, I didn't want. Mm. I didn't want to have that responsibility. Different thing. Mm. And I think yeah. that's a really interesting thing in the, in our uh, sort of well, taking anyone's virginity in that way. Like I've, I'm, I remember one time someone asking me to take someone asking me, you know, giving me their virginity, and I was like, I don't want it. I'm too. I don't feel. I'm did you not take it? Did you not end up having it? I felt like I was like I was like I don't think I'm the person to do this. Really? I don't want. Oh, I don't funny. want this to be. I because think... you will definitely never hear from me again. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of. I felt like I felt like they were so much more invested in right in. I don't know, and I just I th- I overthought it, I suppose. But when Tony Kushner has that great line about gay virgins and angel angels in America. What does he oh, say? I mean, I, I, I God, I, like I'm I can't misquote. Angels in America. Yeah, she can. But basically, Lewis is like, he's like, no, it's a gay virgin thing. It's like where you think you're in love with me immediately. It's like, and like, and he has this like apoplectic thing about Joe being like, I'm in love with you, and he's like, no, no, you're not in love with me. It's a gay virgin thing, and like, I think that people do have that fear, mm. but also they eroticize that fear, or at least I have eroticized that fear oh. for the first time ever because I got, I fell, I sort of like fell for someone that like I imagined was a bit of a gay virgin. And I was like so attracted to like their virginity or like my perceived, their perceived virginity. Mm-hmm. You were mind. saying something, Alan was asking about being, the specifics of being black and gay and you were, you were sort of on a roll and I wanted you to just finish that thought because oh, yeah. I thought it was great. Well, basically I was just saying that like, you know, you know, when you live in a society, in a, in a queer society that's like also like a part of the like world society, a world society that like has a primacy on like white, Aryan 
features being like the predominant. I mean, like you go all through Asia, and like the only models you see are either like white blonde models or like Asian people who have been mixed with with white people who've had um, plastic surgery or to make who had plastic surgery. Yeah. And like these are these are just facts of those spaces. Yeah. Like you know you, you like even when you look at like. Um, the pop stars who are black and brown who are like the most popular they have like blonde hair and blah, you, know, like, yeah. you know it's like it's like a fucked up like system we all exist within totally. and to be inside of a gay society where like it's so male focused and like mm. male desire and like male desire is unapologetic mm. you know and it's like um, and it's like uh, association with all things related to power um, it can feel super lonely and alienating to be a black queer body within that. Because even other black queer men, brown queer men, like, will move in a space of desire towards the power that exists within, like, white masculinity. And you'll feel erased by, like, everyone. you feel erased by white men. Or you'll feel, like, completely fetishized, you know? Mm -hmm. And then you live in this, like, space of, like, never knowing why you're desired ever. That's you know, what I to ask you. yeah, mm -hmm. like when I, I mean, like it's and sometimes I live in a space where I'm like, why are people looking at me ever? You know, mm -hmm. like when I was in, um, when I was in Greece most recently, we'd walk into places and and people would look at me and and sometimes I'd be like, oh, they're looking at me because they think I'm like a famous black person or like they're sort of like obsessed with like what my blackness means inside of Greece. And the other time I'm like, oh, they're looking at me because I'm gay and I'm holding another man's hand and they're like not into that. And this is when I was like, I don't know why they're looking at me. Like, is it that or is it that or is it a combination of Greece both? Greece is a very white place, right? It's a very white place. And in Berlin, oh my, it was so, it was so crazy. I went to a bar in Berlin. I was just in Berlin like three weeks ago. And um, my friend, who's so cute, um, we were walking into a bar and they're like, you can't come in. And, and he was like, what? He was like, he's like, he is fine. You can't come in. And, and who, you could come in? I could come in. And my friend was like, why? He's like, well, this is a fetish bar. He's like, and he, he's sexy, cool, black American. Like, he's like, you? Who are you? <laughs> my friend's like Cuban and like super cute. And like, I had dressed him up like to be like Berlin. So I was like yeah. super confused. And then they're, they're, like, they're like, he, he is fetish. He is fetish. Oof. He literally said that to me. He like looked at my body and said, "You are fetish." Wow. <laughs> and he was like, and "So therefore, like, you well, go into I the do fetish." I want to drink, party. but I'm not trying to agree with it. And then like, so in in spaces like that, I'm just like, "Why am I being desired? You know, mm. am I being desired because I'm like actively a fetish?" And can and can you go into that ever with? Like, do you have to have a chat with yourself where you go, "I'm going to go into this with trust." When I'm walking through Fire Island and a really hot white guy comes up to me and he wants to you know, flirt with me or whatever the word is, do I imbue that with trust and love or do no. I go, let me work out what this is? I work out what it is. Mm -hmm. There's like very little trust that I have for any of those situations just because like of the where we live, you know? Mm. And also because like I know that like I can't even trust my own desires sometimes. Wait, do, Jeremy, you mean because of where we live, meaning America. America. Yeah. I think in like just like the West, you know, I think there's so much socialization that has happened that like has shaped how we desire and what we desire and that like thinking about those things excites me, you know? Um, like I even think that like there are people within the black community that I'm like, that are like, I only date like black men and blah, blah, blah. And then I see the men that they like are attracted to inside of black, the black culture and I'm like, um, 
I have questions, you know, because I'm like, yes, but you still, like, have denied, like, femininity as, like, an active part of, like, queerness or a thing that can be attractive inside of queerness. So, like, do you not problematize that as well, that you also, like, have, have like, an attraction to, like, so, a sort of black on, man being Because if it's only black, then that seems to be fine. Yeah, yeah, but, like, it's, it's but really allowed. But is allowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah. And, like, and so... And I think that even when I look at like why I'm desired on a place like Fire Island, I'm like, do you know who I am? Is that part of why you desire me? Do you desire me because you have a, like a thing? You know, like like I also have a thing where like if I date a guy who's like dated too many people who look like me, I'm like, absolutely not. Like, just never. Like, there's an actor who's a very famous actor, and I'll tell you about it after this thing. But in the UK, we have hooked up with five of the same people. Who've told me, because they hooked up with him first and then they hooked up with me after. You probably know who it is. You know, oh, you looked like you did for a second. I did. I did. Coming. Is it me? <laughs> it was out. It was actually out. <laughs> <laughs> 25. Yeah, when, I, when, I, when I realized that, I was like, oh, if you, you have like your type. contacts. Uh, yeah. And that's weird because then that's, that's not about what's going on inside. That yes. is just no. like, I am a. But that's what I really like about this new guy. It's just like, I really do think he like, is really excited about the inside. But do you know what I liked about when you're talking about him, Jeremy, was that you didn't mention his colour. Yeah. And I, of course, when I saw the picture you showed us in the radio little break, his colour did not surprise me. I, but I actually thought, I actually sort of assumed that it, he wasn't that colour mm-hmm. because you didn't mention it. Yeah. And so it was interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Like it's sort of confounding expectations in all ways. Mm-hmm. But I wanted, so was there a lot of, I mean, my, ex, my um, perception of, of, of slave play and the whole thing and the whole sort of excitement around it was it was a very positive thing, but did you get a lot of mean stuff as well? Yeah, I mean. For, and why? Well, because, so, okay, so the, I just got done talking to Michael Paulson about this. Um, so um, the New York Times, when we did, when they were doing their profile on me, came to see Slave Play and took a bunch of pictures of um, the play. And we had been very, because we knew what the play was and how like volatile some of the images were on purpose, you know, in the same way that in, they were in Daddy. This is why we were so careful about what images we put out for Daddy, because yeah. um, when we did Slave Play, we did, they told us that we, did, we couldn't have photo approval of the New York Times. Um, and so we didn't even know that we could tell them like, oh, don't take a picture of this scene, take a picture of these scenes, you know? Mm. So they took a picture of the entire play and the picture that they went with... For, for the review or for an article? For but for everything. Uh-huh. And so they released a profile of me and the main picture in the profile was a picture of the lead actress in our play, who's a black woman, like on her knees with her tongue out and like a white man coming through a door looking at her and they, she's dressed as a slave and he's dressed as an overseer. Right. And so then that just became like a meme of the play. And the woman, um, Tiana, who played the lead, was like very famous and popular in the black community. Like in general, she, I mean, she was on Mad Men, she's like very famous. Yeah. But like in the black community, she was sort of like one of the heights of like black femininity, right? And like she made all the right choices, she's done all the right things. And um, I think that some people saw that image and immediately were like, what is this? Like, what is she doing? And didn't take the time to look at the context or anything. And they made a meme of it and it went on this website called mediatakeout.com, which is like a Perez Hilton, but like mainly for the black community. Uh And so they said all this fucked up, vaguely homophobic stuff about me, all this fucked up, like denigrating stuff about her. And shaped the play like that for hundreds of thousands of people on uh-huh. the internet. 
So there was a section of the internet that only knew this as what the play was about, and they they lied about what the play was about. They were like, this play is about um, slaves falling in love with like slave masters, and like, what is Tiana doing? And you know, who is this man? He's so fucked up. He went to Yale, and so the people that got the most um, internet. Uh, internet like bombardment about it were me, Tiana, and Robert, the director. And for me and Robert, it was a lot of horribly homophobic stuff. People felt like angry about it, hurt about it, and it also became like a funny thing too. You know, like in that way that like people can be like, I'm outraged, but also here's my joke, you know? Mm. And it it took off, you know, and in part and 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 so I think part of the reason the play's even on Broadway is because the play got so popular. Partially because like people couldn't get away from it on the internet. They were seeing people love it or they were seeing people hate it. And so if you were someone who like didn't want to read either, you were just like, let me just go see what this is, you know? And so then it became this whole like, But also phenomenon. isn't part of the whole part of the play that was so incredible was that it was this this big reveal. It's got yes. a massive like I mean I don't, shall we say? You might, I mean, the New York Times already did, so. Well, because <laughs> do a little, you know, Yeah, for the Brits, do a little praisey of the play. So Slave Play is a play by Jeremy, mm-hmm. who's sitting here. And there's a tradition of plays about slavery, and he wanted to do his version of that. Yes. And so what it is, you go in and you see various scenarios of like a, I know, a, like a slave uh, owner person with a, African American woman, kind of in this sort of sexual thing, and there's like two, there's a various, there's three, there's a as a, a a white man and a black woman slave, and there's a white woman and a black man, uh, and then there's two men, a black man and a white man, so, so there's sort of three sexual scenarios that are playing out, all in the in this sort of slave uh, time time scale, and then there's this big kind of. And you realise that all these people are actually in the present, and they're there's, they're interracial couples dealing with issues of power, sexuality, queerness, race, la la la, with their therapist. So all these things that you saw that you thought were, you know, mm. historical things are kind of like fantasies being played out by these people. Yeah, and and so it's 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 Incredible. so shocking, and that's what because then the other play that the next play that Jeremy well. This play, but he wrote first, but it was done second, which is the one I was in, Daddy. Similar things about shocking sort of things that you can't really say about race mm-hmm. are said. Mm. <laughs> and then they're left there for you to go, well, what do we do this now? Mm. And so that was what was incredible about that. The idea that, you know, I mean, the whole thing about da- uh, slave plays at the end, there's a woman who, f- who they have this fantasy that she wants to be dominated by her white slave master. Mm. And in, it's interesting because in any other thing, the idea of domination and everything is perfectly, perfectly acceptable, perfectly mm-hmm. understandable, perfectly mm. a part of our common parlance and currency of sexuality. Mm. But when race is involved, it takes on such, an, especially in America, mm-hmm. it takes on such another thing that we're not really ready for. And so at the end, she basically says, I feel seen, I feel understood for the first time because she's been able to say, treat me like a slave. Mm-hmm. Is that a good sort of... Sort of. I mean, yeah, I think that like at the end of the day, she was like, I for this journey, I wanted you to um, embody the violence I can see on you and the, the historical violences I can see inside of you. In the same way that like mm. any sort of like cis white woman might say that to a cis white man right. inside of a thing like, in, like, you know, in a rape fantasy. Like I see 
yeah. this violence is possible for you every day, and I want to own that violence inside of a fantasy, right? Yes. Um, in the same way that like so many gay men, like I think, are owning like both their like repressed desire or their like actual trauma in and around like um, uh, incest or in like families inside of like a dad daddy fantasy or like yeah, a coach yeah, yeah. fantasy, you know? And yeah. like you can own it inside of the bedroom, um, this thing that you like lives in the back of your mind all the time as you walk down the street. Yeah, um, you gotta own it. Yeah, mm. so. Um, it is so, what I think is interesting is about how shocking it is t to see it and in America, especially just mm. with the sort of, you know, it's so hard to remember how repressed America is sexually mm. compared to other mm -hmm. parts of well, the Western world. Yeah. And how when an African American person is leading the discussion about it and pressing all those buttons about things that we're not supposed to do or mm. say or think, mm -hmm. then it just is, I, I, it's, you know, that's, that's why I wanted to do daddies because I thought I'm fascinated by this. I don't understand it all. I want to know more and I think it should, we should be talking about <coughs> it. You know what was yeah. really funny about that repression? Like some of the thing, one of the things me and Donnie were so obsessed with were like in the reviews when people were like upset about the play. And I think it has so, so much to do with like what people demand of black masculinity inside Daniel of the play. Was the, woman who directed uh, yes. Daddy. The yes, person. got it, got it. So, so one of the things that people were sort of demanding of the play was like an understanding of why this like black male who's like sort of the, the actor that played him has like the most like, he, he looks like a Greek sculpture, you know? It's like, mm. it's, it's like they're like, why would this grown man want to put his thumb in his mouth for like 20 minutes of the play? Mm. Like that was like a thing they talked about all the time, like his thumb in his mouth. And right. I was like, well, why wouldn't someone want to release all of the pressures of masculinity and maleness and adulthood in a sort of like space of with their partner or even in a public space? You know, like why wouldn't mm. someone want to own that? Yeah. And it was so interesting because I was seeing people like desiring a certain type of performance of masculinity. It's really funny. You reminded me of um, we last season we interviewed Sam Smith and yeah. we got onto the topic of. Um, how when you're with someone, you meet someone, but as you grow older together as a couple, you become more and more camp around each other yes. in a way that you wouldn't before because mm. you, you know, it's what you present, it's isn't it? Yeah, yeah, which is absurd because you're not meaning to, but then, but you know, like that sucking the thumb thing just reminds me of that. Yeah. It's like, I also feel like we should tell people that like, these are all spoilers for things that might come to London. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, they're coming to London. <laughs> Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> it's they're going to go to London. I hope so. I mean, I think there's interest. Um, 
I mean, I there I, I there's interest, but there's like a specific theater I really wanted to go to. So, Buckingham Palace. Yes. <laughs> I, um, I actually tried. I've invited Meghan Markle to see it. Um, oh my god! Yeah, I really want Meghan and Harry to see it. Um, They'll come. It really I cool. would like to know more about your dad. Uh, because I feel if you want to yeah. talk about it I mean there's really I f- nothing I can tell you but it, it was it's so interesting because we did this whole play called Daddy it was about fathers it was about all these issues about all these things and I realised I don't really know very much about like so you were an army kid yes You were. Tra- your dad was in the army and you travelled all to these different so this is the complicated thing it was like when I, I remember when I came in to talk to you guys about the play and why it changed it at the very last minute that like really it was like during tech I was like guys like I, or not during tech the last week of previews I was like guys like I realized part of the reason that I've had this block with the play it's because like the play isn't honest like I'm not being honest and uh, part of it was that like I for most of my life I talk about my dad in like a, as a sort of as a one person, but it's like a collection of men have been like my father figure right mm-hmm. that's probably why the song father figure is in it um and the actual person who like gave sperm to my mom that birthed me was a man named Christopher. He uh, is in the military as well. He, as well as who? As well as the another father figure. Uh huh. Um, and he uh, like he didn't stay. He didn't stay. Mm. Um, and I've only met him twice outside of being a baby. Like I've only consciously met him twice. And one of the times I met him, the last time, he promised he was going to come, like, take me with him on a trip to Hawaii, which is where he was stationed. I was so excited. How old were you? I was seven or eight. Mm-hmm. I have a picture of it, of the him and my stepmom coming, or not my stepmom, the woman he was married to. Um, they were at my house. It was a whole thing. And then, the, like, the day he was coming, I, like, waited and waited and waited and waited. It's just the thing with the screen door. Mm-hmm. And he never tell, came. Tell that image, it's so... Yeah, so I, uh, so we lived on a house on a hill. Mm-hmm. And um, it, there, if you look down, you like look down the hill and you saw this like sort of like um, road. And so the day that I waited, um, I had a little suitcase next to me. Mm-hmm. I was standing in front of the, the, the screen door. And I just watched cars pass from like the three o'clock he was supposed to come to like seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. Behind me, my mom was on the phone, like calling him and calling him and calling him, mm-hmm. leaving like voicemail after voicemail after voicemail. I could hear her like sort of like angrily whispering in the back, mm-hmm. like, "This is the thing. This is the thing. like you know, how dare you do this? Like you know." Mm-hmm. Um, and then he never showed up. And then me and my mom and my little sister danced together, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, was but that, well, that was the last time you had contact with yeah, him until you were an adult. Yeah, and I haven't had contact with him. Since yeah. that day, yeah, and uh, the other father figures in my life was so. When my, Can I when ask I, a question? Did your mum has your mum had contact with him since then? Uh-uh. He just never. No, I've had you know, contact with his dad. Um, your granddad. Yes, um, but not him. And, and like he, he, I think he had a crush. My granddad had a crush on my mom, so he would like give us money and like you know help out in ways that like a dad would, you know. But it's right. Probably because he had a crush on my mom, um, unless so that he like even really liked me. His name is Bobby. Um, and then, do you know what he is? Do you know things about him? No, nothing. Actually, I know. Not the, curious. I I think there was for a time I was, but not anymore. Yeah. And, but then, like you know, when I was two, my mom married someone named Charles, 
who is the father of my um, my little sister. Mm -hmm. um, God, I never talk about this. Um, and Charles was my dad for the most part. Right. Um, until I was nine and they got a divorce and I go, so go with him. Then my mom married another guy who's in the military named Dwayne. Was your mom in the military too? No. no. She just... She likes a man who She likes out. a man in uniform. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, Dwayne was the most, like, he impressed upon me a lot, mainly because I think I told my mom not to marry him and she did anyway. Like, literally, like, three days later she was, like, married him anyway. Mm -hmm. um, after I begged her not to. And he was, and everything I said that was wrong with him was wrong. Like, mom still thinks I'm psychic because I predicted that Charles was cheating on her. And I told her that this guy was bad, and he was. Um, Wedge. And, Wedge. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I really, I mean, I, honestly, I think that's why still to this day I really follow my instincts. I'm like, this is the instinct. Like, I'm going to go with it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I really uh, hate it. Dwayne, and he was really violent to me and my mom. Um, my sister was living with her dad, and I was also going to visit, you know, because he was basically my dad too. Mm -hmm. um, but we still had this rift because I was the reason I got a divorce. Like, I had told my mom, like, he's cheating on me, you know? How did you find that out? I, I felt, I had a feeling, and then I saw something that, like, was, it wasn't sex or anything, but it was something that just didn't make sense. Then mm -hmm. I told my mom, my mom got really upset, and she, like, asked the woman, the woman said it wasn't true, and then my mom went and discovered it was, and then it was like all... It's funny when people do them. things in front of kids thinking they won't notice. Yeah. Like, oh. Well, you know, my dad took me to swim, swimming. Mm. Like, he would use me as a sort of a little... So he would, he would go swimming with this woman he was having an affair with, mm. and then they would, uh, they would be at the swimming pool, and there would also that kind of... It reminds me in, in Muriel's Wedding, you know that movie, when the yeah. dad with the woman he's having an affair with, they go... What a surprise! Yeah, God. Oh, you're here too. What a surprise! Yes. And um, he he would take me swimming. He never would do that. He wouldn't ever take me anywhere. But I realized that when he was, I realized I was being used as sort of like mm, a little sort of um, that was the same addition, a little sparkling addition. And then we'd oh, go for really? strawberry tarts. I got a strawberry tart. I remember eating the strawberry tart with this woman in this booth in this little cafe. Thinking, oh, I'm, I felt like a whore. I felt I was being whored out, you know, to be yeah. a cute little thing. And also to be complicit in this yeah. awful deceit. Yeah. So then, so then what happened? Um, and then they got a divorce because he was, like, abusive. Um, and then it was just me and my mom for all of later middle school and high school. And when they got a divorce, my mom had to, like, run away from the military thing. And I stayed with my best friend Josh and his mom and his dad and she was like I need six months to get my life in order to figure out things because like, she was like you can't have a job blah, blah, blah. it was like all these things so I went and that's when she got her hair license because when she had been younger she'd always loved hair so in those six months she like basically got all the school she needed got all the money saved up meanwhile I was finishing middle school with my best friend's family and then I moved in with her and then eighth grade through it was just me and my mom hmm. and this was in Virginia. It was in. I was in North Carolina, and then we went back to Virginia. All oh, right. Yeah. And it's interesting because I just I was about to talk about your hair. Yeah. Like every other day, it seems you've got a different hair. Yeah. Black men seem to me to have such limited choices, but not you, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think I guess you've got to keep it long a bit, and then you have options. That's yeah. like everything, I suppose. Yeah, mm. but I think also like it's it's because like I grew up around so many black women, you know. Mm. So I like 
learned to have the same sort of fluidity with my hair that like all yeah. the black women in my life have, you know? It is incredible. Because mm. I can see, I, I know now that in a couple of days you'll have it all yeah. braided and... Yeah, I mean, I'm probably, I'm gonna get braids very soon. I, yeah, I took them out because um, I had really long braids and I went to Greece um, to meet a guy and having long braids makes sex hard. So I was like, I'm not gonna do that. Um, cause it's get everywhere, you know, it's just like, it's like, you know, like the side and like, it's like, I'm, <laughs> so they're like extension braids. Yeah, yeah. So you braid it a bit and then you do extensions. Yeah, yeah. There's so many extra things. Yeah. And, and like, and also like having too long of hair when you're having sex is just not super fun. Like it gets in the way, it's like all over, I don't know. Yeah, shower, um, shower cap. Shower cap, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so, How did it go with the man in Greece? Oh, it was so great. It's so great. I don't know, we're <laughs> figuring things out. He lives in LA. I live here. He has a really, really busy job. I have a really busy job. Jeremy, I'm just curious. I don't know, like, how, what is your uh, relationship uh, history? Well, um, I, like, through my How 20, old are you, first of all? I just turned 30. When? In June. Bravo. Yeah. Mm. So I'm finally a grown up. I've always been someone that, um, oh, like, I have a lot of, like, for me, it's always difficult for me to, like, want to be in like any sort of monogamous thing I think because like I saw my mom get cheated on when she was like you know and like but like a lot of like when I was like dating like men my own age when I was like 19 they were all like but I want three boyfriends who own I was like that makes no sense oh and I was what? like we boyfriends who like are just each other's boyfriends and right like, You're monogamous. Like, and I was like that's oh. insane like mm-hmm. we're 19 or 20 and like there's no way that this will ever work out mm-hmm. like um, we're going to end. Like I always was telling people, like these are the ways we're going to end, mm. and they'd be like, "That's so fucked up and nihilistic." And I was like, mm. "And then I started dating older guys." <laughs> and so and I was, used to have that though. It's like, it's like we're not going to be together forever. Let's be honest. Yeah. Let's not be weird about this. Like <laughs> this would be a complete anomaly of science. <laughs> I'm saying I want to break up now, but like. <laughs> Come on, you must think real. about this. Yeah, <laughs> and and so many people like to live in a fiction. Or yeah, fantasy. yeah, totally. Yeah, so I was then I started like dating a lot of older guys because like they didn't have that fantasy, you know. Um, and now, especially now that I've like been like on Fire Island and how seen, old is Mr. X? Oh, uh, he's thirty-four. Oh, so age appropriate. Yeah, 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 very age appropriate. But the guys before weren't like wildly age inappropriate. The only like I dated one guy who was like my mom's Sorry. age, and then I was like, that's like cutting it close. Because um, I, 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 I very young. Right? Yeah, but I always imagine like what my mom would think of any person I date. Oh, here's Lala. Hi. Hi, Lala. Come and say hello. She uh. always comes for a little sitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like, but, they, but like you know, at the time they felt so much older. But like now, I've I've seen people who are in really intense like, um, uh, like intergenerational relationships, and I was like, oh, I was never in one of those, you know, like, yeah. not even a judge, I, I, I think my yeah. tone just judged it, and like, I don't mean for that to be a thing, um, but more so just like, I'd never dated someone who was like 30 or 40 years older than me, you know? Mm. They were always like 15 years older, like people who like, had just like seen the world a bit more, and like, like liked having a young boyfriend who was like hyper articulate. Um, it's quite, a, uh, it's not, it's a semi-specific thing to, I think, queer community that like I think those are great relationships yeah so, like the, I don't know why what that is about but well, uh, the age difference thing I think it's brilliant yeah, like it is kind yeah. of um, are you in are you, like how old is um, 
Grant. Grant. Yeah, I was, I was like, it's He's Grant. 85. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're exactly, we're the same 85 age. plus. You're the same age? I'm actually three months older than him. Oh, amazing. So when it's my birthday, he oh, always goes, well, for someone of your generation, of course, if I three went months, three months when you do, I just get it in the neck every fucking day. But, but also with friendships as well. Like, I love one thing about being gay or queer or whatever. It's like, you have friends who are 20 years older than you, but yeah. you have friends who are 20 years younger than you. Yeah. Like, it's been so crazy like, to start having friends who are like 10 years younger than me. I'm just like, wait. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, because I was always so used to being the precocious one. Like, the young, mm-hmm. most of my closest gay friends are like in their like mid to late 50s. Um, and like, I mean, of course, I have like my peers that are like my age, but like some of the ones who are most important to me mm-hmm. are like now in their like 50s to like late 50s. And that's been really important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also, it was always great because I would go to these dinner parties and they'd be like, Jeremy's so smart and young. And now I'm going to these dinner parties and there's like some 20 year old there. And I'm like, well, who who is she? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. And everyone's like, a smart kid. Yeah. And have I'm you like, seen? He's so great. And I'm like, I guess. <laughs> but I also now have my own group of like 20 year olds who are so cool and yes. smart. And like, I'm like having to remember that I'm older. You know, that's another thing that has to happen sometimes. You're yes. to remember like, yes. oh, I'm in a different space. Like, they need certain things yeah. for me that I need you know, for my 30 year old friend. That was what was interesting about doing your play that I was, so in this play, I was, it's called Daddy. I was like the daddy figure. Yeah. But also I realized that I, yeah, I realized that in the, because of many things that happened in the course of that production, I had to assume the daddiness mm. uh, on, in many ways, you know, like mm. in terms of like, no, this is not good enough. We're not doing this, blah, blah, blah. Kind of really having to use my, age and my clout yeah uh, in a way that I didn't sort of need to before I guess because things were better organized (laughs) but it was an interesting like when you say you've got to remember that I felt that for me that was a really interesting experience because I had to embrace daddiness in the way in the sort of the gay daddiness I grew a beard tried to look older it was very interesting Mm. and also my daddiness in terms of my place of where I was in, in, in the sort of, you know, business yeah. in terms of when I when I was angry, that would mean something to many yeah. other people. Or when I ha- said, this can't happen, you know, or whatever, or this is not good. Yes. So it was an interesting thing that, yeah. that being, it, it really reminded me, you have to be aware of your place and your power. Yeah. And also the fact that you have to, you have to think this is my age, so therefore blah, blah must happen, you know. And yeah, and like, and, and enjoy going to the next stage as well. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know. It was actually a really good thing. Like I always say that when I did The Good Wife, I, it was really good for me because I realized that I, I grew up because I realized that I can play a man in a suit. Mm. Right. Yeah. I can't be a middle-aged man in a suit because yeah. I'm a middle-aged man, but a suit on me, mm. there we go. But also, um, it made me realize that um, y- y- thinking that men in suits are boring to play is, is stupid because actually yeah. I think that character was one of the most crazy people I've ever played. Yeah. So it made, it made, I grew up in different ways, but one of the ways I grew up was that actually I embraced my age. Yes. And I think, and also I think of the experience of daddy in a way that I, I learned things about, I moved into a different stage, I think, in yeah. my hmm. understanding of myself and understanding of I the character. Also. But no, it's just funny you say that because you're on you're on first gen replacement of being the exciting young thing, and me and my husband are thirty seven, and we're on second gen. Yeah. So like our friends who are older than us, they show us a picture and go, 
these are our new bright young things. Yeah. Like you, you two are now like three generations removed. Like <laughs> yeah. they tease us about. Oh, like, so funny! But it's excited. Fun. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why I'm more excited about being in like a real relationship now, and like mm. more like equal relationship too. It's because I'm like, oh yeah, like I need to like start setting up being like comfortable not being like a cute young thing that can go from here to here to there to here mm -hmm. and just be like a man, you know? Mm -hmm. yes. um, which is exciting, you know? Um, and I wonder, I wonder too, because like you had said, there was some interview, I don't remember which one it was, about like how like um, you miss being a puck, like a puckish figure or something. And like in daddy, that you felt like you were being asked to be like, a dad again, you know, or a dad in the, for the first time. Mm. And I was wondering, like, what was that like for you to move it? Because, like, also even backstage, you had to share this dressing room with these two boys, and like, they're all like, da 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 da, yeah. and like, you know, you're married, and like, they're well, I mean, Tommy's married, but you know, like, <laughs> but, you know, but, well, it was interesting because the whole process of that thing was, you know, like, <laughs> Tommy said to me things like. When's the last time you shared a dressing room? I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> like a gala sometimes, you know. <laughs> but, uh, and I, it was an interesting thing for me to sort of, I, because I, I really wanted to try and be what I thought a daddy was. I wanted to feel, I wanted to look and feel like a daddy. And I, like, you know, grow a beard, it's incredible. <laughs> and also just, what was also interesting for me was being objectified about my body yeah. in a way that I hadn't been for a while. I mean, like, you know, you're always sort of slightly sexualized, but I was naked a lot in this play. And so, right. a lot, and even like in the reviews, people talking about my body. Um, yeah, I remember the, I remember when that really, when I came to do Cabaret on Broadway and I was in my early 30s, and I was like, oh my God, I'm so fucking old and people are objectifying me. And I'm like, you know, this sort of sex symbol thing happened. Mm. And I felt like I, I daddy then I felt like a yeah. granddaddy then mm. and now 20 years later it's mm. happening in this funny way so that was really interesting um, and also it's you know it's interesting when people go wow you look really great and of course what they leave out is for your age yeah mm. so you have to kind of everything is tempered with this unsaid thing mm. so I don't know, it was really interesting for me I felt like um, I, I felt it was it was new for me you know it was everything about it was new for me and I and I and I feel like I didn't quite I wasn't as successful as I would have hoped in, a, in, in, a, in everything about it. What do you mean? It didn't feel like um, I fully embodied not just the thing on stage, but just my, my journey of doing it. You know, like mm -hmm. what you're saying about the, the having, always being like, oh, Cutie Allen, and all of a sudden I'm not Cutie Allen, I'm kind of like going, Don't, I'm not Cutie Allen, I'm mm -hmm. the, guy with the, the, hot, the hot guy with the beard. In a way, though, you know, what I feel, I. I so wanted to do that your play because I so wanted these ideas and these conversations to be yeah. had, and and I even feel I I sort of feel that even I don't I don't understand yet some of those conversations enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, so it's it's incomplete for me. Yeah. You see what I mean? It's it's not it's not that it was bad or good. It's incomplete. I agree. I mean, I think that part of it was that. I mean, I think the hard thing about that whole production was just that. I mean, I think I wrote, I, the first play I wrote is probably the hardest play I've ever written mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons. I think it's because it was so close to like my gut. And that's which was, because Daddy was your first play. That was yeah. Daddy, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's why, I think that's why um, it's, it, it's so honest, but also so unwieldy, you mm -hmm. know? It's like a hard play. And 
and I think everyone was doing the best they could with the resources they had. But I think that one of the things that was difficult about the resources we had is that we didn't have enough resources for us to fully investigate all of the things that like 25-year-old Jeremy was bringing to the table. Um, because they basically gave us two and a half weeks to rehearse. It seriously yeah. was like insane. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so... But we didn't you know, know that all, at the time. Exactly, so we were all just like, yeah, and like, you know, and you know, unlike Slave Play, I, in Slave Play I'm working with a director who had been writing, who had been producing plays since I was like five years old. You know, mm-hmm. um, and in Daddy, I'm working with a director who is the exact same age as me, and so she and I are both like on it in like the same sort of useful excitement that we can do this. Whereas mm-hmm. I think that if you know, and like this, this, I think we would both agree with this. If if either one of us had been around the bin a little longer, we would have pushed our reps to be like, no, we cannot do this play without five weeks of rehearsal, period. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And that's because like it was all about the swimming pool. Yeah, exactly. And then the swimming pool wasn't warm enough for us to go in it for like yes. 10 days exactly and so 10 days of the rehearsal process we couldn't okay it was so yeah. ridiculous it's ridiculous and that was us both <laughs> realizing how young we were you know I think that Donnie and I both left that thing being like oh we thought we were so ready but yeah. we are we are actually like babies in this industry yeah. because we were still feeling slightly grateful that someone would like yeah. produce our play with a pool in it. It's so funny too because like you know both the dir- I, I'm really interested in what's going to happen in the next play I'm doing. Um, not the next I'm doing two new plays, but um, I'm doing a play at the end of this very end of the season, which is like my big gay extravaganza play. Um, and <laughs> well, you know, haven't been <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but this one's like really crazy and like historically gay. You know, is this but, like, the one about what's it called? It's called A Boy's Company Presents. Uh, Tell me if I'm hurting you. Yes, is that the, the... Playwrights Rising? Oh uh, yes, because yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing about that play is that that's the first play I'm working with a white male director on. Right. And the other two plays I've worked on, I've worked with a woman, a white woman, and a black man, a black gay man. And yeah. so it's. I, I, it's so interesting to see the ways in which, like, um, a black gay man who's like a very famous playwright and director are still like the ways in which he's still subjugated to certain like things. And I'm like, do, do you say that to Sam Gold? Mm-hmm. You know, and the ways in which I see like the way a, a white woman is treated, and I'm like, mm-hmm. do you say that to Sam Gold? <laughs> that was <laughs> like, shocking to me. Actually, it, in the it's really the, wild. Like that was uh, there was several times in the course of the tech, and which was endless. But just some things happened. I was like, and I thought she, I was so full of admiration for Danya by the way she handled that. Mm-hmm. Certain, you know, guys being just misogynist and dismissive of her, and and she's like, you know what, <laughs> I'm the boss here. And I, but how awful that you have to de- to deal with that, you know? Yeah. But I wonder what's gonna change when like the things that I'm writing as a black queer man are being like distilled through the mind and mouth of like a white man mm-hmm. you know like are being like sort of like shepherded by a white man and if, and if it's different or if my plays are always going to be unwieldy and there are always going to be fights that like we can't win and like mm-hmm. you know but it was it was very interesting doing daddy and realizing that like certain things were made so much harder because of the way people perceive not only a black queer man's like sort of worth to the canon but also a white woman's worth to the canon. You know how they talk Bad about combo. the play after what? Bad combo. Exactly, exactly. It's like a really it's a really fucked up combination for people to be like, we respect this, you know? <laughs> also about your so then this new relationship. So in the past you've not been someone who has been penetrated. 
I so there was an Australian one time <laughs> who all bets are off. Yeah, <laughs> like who I I like top most of the time, and then he was really like I really like because like, I mean the thing that I know is like my one of the things that people are really obsessed with is my butt. Like I have a really great ass. Yes. Um, but uh, so sad. This is the radio. Yeah. <laughs> but he like really. Oh, we'll post a picture. <laughs> but he was like really worship me to it and he was like I really want to fuck you I was like I'm sorry it's probably not gonna work it can never work it's always too hurt. it hurts too much and he was like I will do it so he spent like a whole night like working towards doing it and then he did he accomplished it and it mm. didn't hurt and it was great and it was fun any other time that I've even attempted it's been like like a fucking it's it's been Fort Knox <laughs> and I don't know what that's about. I think it's about like 5,000 things, like partially trauma, repression, like uh, internalized homophobia, like, you know, yes. 5,000 things, like. These are the things that come with sex. Yeah. You know? And it's like. And that's what I want you know. my plays to be about. Like the honesty about like yeah. all the complicated shit that happens when we have sex. And I feel yes. like a lot of people don't want to talk about those things. They just want to have mediocre sex and you're, like pretend like it's good. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you're supposed to like drop onto the running track and run as fast as Mo Farah kind of thing. Like that's the only version that is meant to be sex. And you're like, I'm feeling really scared and I don't know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. so weird that. Mm -hmm. But I want to do, I know you've got to go to a party and we should wrap this up. But I'm just, <laughs> I am, and this sounds so awful, but I'm actually intrigued about how you're, what are you, how are you, and let's be frank here. Yeah trying to prepare yourself to be penetrated? Um, what do you do when you say you're trying it? Do you like to have a dildo? Yeah, so, so I just got a dildo. Mm -hmm. um, I got a, a, cause I, I, so I've read so many things that are like pro-douche and anti-douche, but I feel like for my own sanctity, I think part of it is probably like a poop thing. So it's something about a mental thing. Yeah, you should do something. Yeah, so I think I'm just gonna. Yeah. To, to clarify as well, like people don't talk about douching either. They never talk about Which it. It's like to spray some water up your bum with a thing. And it cleans, like, cleans out your bum. So when you have sex, it's not poop on the person's face. Exactly. Dick. Yeah, but, it's also, but it also does like take out necessary bacteria for your bum and like, oh. and it makes you more open to disease. There's like all these like problems with it as well. You also shouldn't do it very often. It's like a whole thing. And stuff shouldn't really be going up there with germs that you haven't well, and also you're squirting I mean you know I mean it's, I mean it's a whole load of things but I mean actually I think it's a mental thing because I don't do that mm. and um, I find my vegan lifestyle mm. and my pooping schedule cleans um, the whistle cleans the whistle darling yeah it's a, it's a self cleaning <laughs> oven according yep. to some of the gays <laughs> um, and so and, but, and so but, I'm starting to but I think if you have a mental like my someone we, we've met since we, we have been doing this this mm. week um, ha, does it all like can't think of being penetrated without doing it and I know uh, it and I um, <coughs> what? I'm far too lazy <laughs> <laughs> but also I think it's for me what that does um is eliminates the spontaneity of sex. Yes, mm -hmm. and that's to I'm totally. That's all I'm. That's all I don't. I'm just the thing I find sex is just like right now. Yeah. But yeah. so, but what do you? What, what do you? You're so is that is and it's I'm starting to take metamucil and like these like sort What's of that? Like, clear, like like fiber. 
those fiber pills. Yes. The, so, loads of people do that, don't they? Well, they're doing the pure pills, which, are, which aren't good for you, apparently. I don't know, I've done all the research. I've been like reading like everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, my friend told me to take Fusillium husk. Yeah, that's a, a big... Selenium. selenium. It's like a... Oh, is that what selenium it's husk. Yeah, selenium it's a husk. really popular one. Yeah. Let's um, just take a thing that makes you have... Make your poops come out. More fibers that kind of cleans your yeah. bum on the way out. Yeah, yeah. So... But the um, thing is, if I may, yes. it's... This is a political issue for me. So mm. it's not... Like you're sticking your penis up someone's bum, right? Guess what? There might be some There's poop up, up there. Yeah. yeah, I'm very pro spit, but wow. I'm not. But I'm also like I'm totally lubed up to the wazoo. But all I'm saying is, <laughs> just slides down the stairs. All the all the thing about these pills you take and the douching and everything is really not the issue. Mm-hmm. The issue is, do you can you put a penis up your bum and feel relaxed enough to enjoy? the physiological enjoyments of the prostate and all these things and blah 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 blah. Yeah. It's cleanliness and sanitation and obsession with um b- bit of poop. Yeah. Um is one thing and the mental state that it takes to feel comfortable with an alien or not an alien. It's not an alien, it's another man. <laughs> uh, Depends what bar you're in. <laughs> this is a good point to stop. I think so too. Jeremy, it's been so, so lovely. This is so good. Yes. Oh my god, I can keep talking while I have a syrup. Oh. <coughs> we have the syrup to get excited. Oh, okay. Lovely. Thank you. Ah, oh, that was lovely to hear, young Jeremy, wasn't it? Yes, that was a lovely chat. And <laughs> we got a bit dirty towards the end. Or not dirty, isn't? But we got naughty. Um, it was also nice just to um, talk about daddy. You know, I've been thinking a lot about daddy recently because it's it's uh, coming to London, and also because I. Uh, that lovely Alex Lebo, Lebro, how do you say it? Lubominski. Lubominski. Very handsome fashion photographer, people. Look him up and follow him. His is stunning. And I uh, recently did a thing with him. Well, I did it when I was doing Daddy, a thing about, because he's a vegan, I'm a vegan. And he was doing this sort of uh, website about plant-based lifestyle and, and more about the lifestyle and why you do it and the choices and what the, how that affects the So I did these uh, things and I just, they sent them to me and I posted them on my Instagram yesterday and it's and I've got a beard I've got my beard and it's most bushy actually yes uh, when I was because when I did daddy I tried to look older yes because I felt I mean <laughs> probably rather <laughs> blindly I thought oh I don't look old enough uh, I've got to be the daddy I've got to like grow a beard and <laughs> blah 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 so I but it worked I think it worked for the well for that play the uh, that look I had yeah. I, I, you look I great I thought you looked very handsome I liked it it was a good look and uh, my beard's got a good because this moustache bit mm-hmm. and then the bit underneath my mouth mm. the little triangle that comes there is black and oh, the that's rest why is grey that's why you look so distinguished yeah it is everyone thinks I've dyed it and I haven't really uh, so uh, yeah so it was it's, and I, I might go back because right now I've got like you know, shaved I've got a little skinhead, a little shaved head for uh, this play I'm doing. But I'm actually going to go back, I think, to a beard. Yeah, nice. I like it. What about shaved head and beard, then beard? That's a good look. I find I that, that so that sexy. Look. Also, the thing that I found when I shaved off my beard mm. was that my lips had disappeared. My top lip had disappeared. Oh, I see, yeah. And so I think I noticed in that video 
that I've got to make sure that I trim the top bit so that my lip doesn't just feel it's not got anything, it's not exercised. And also there's bits of lunch in there otherwise. <laughs> right. I think it's about time we um, scheduled in an argument about the address for uh, where you can buy T-shirts from. Oh, where can you buy T-shirts, Chris? So it's HTTPS forward slash forward slash colon. It's w- on the World Wide yeah. Web, everybody. www.everpress.com forward slash homo sapiens. You can get yourself a T-shirt, you can get yourself a sweater, or you can go to alancoming.com forward slash events where you can see where Alan will be playing at your local <laughs> Actually, just look and piano see to bar. Check that it's um, London Palladium. Uh, <laughs> actually, yeah. let me see. Uh, Alancoming.com. We'll put these out. I'll get Matt to do it. Buy the t-shirts. And then while Alan's doing that, I'm going to say, that, please, can you write into us at hello at homo sapiens podcast. Alancoming.com forward slash shop. Okay. And good. on there will be pictures of me wearing oh, the okay. merch and if you click on the pictures it will take you to everard dot dot forward slash yeah. homo sapiens yeah. not quite sure if we're in the right thing i think you and i should work in marketing i think we're, <laughs> I think we're wasted in we've got this down we really do but also write to us hello at homo sapiens podcast.com and tell us what you thought of the interview with jeremy yes and please subscribe rate and review on apple podcasts if you rate and subscribe we pick our favorite review on homo sapiens extra and you can win a t-shirt shit yeah god you should have led with that yeah all right well this um, has been lovely hasn't it just i've enjoyed my uh, snacks i'm going to go and clean my oven with a whole different perspective <laughs> <laughs> bye bye mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Powered by Spirit Studios.